This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Steve Francis from Happy School, and we are, of course, talking about creating happy schools. So Steve tells us about his teaching and leadership background in Queensland and Hong Kong and how his passion for supporting the teachers that he worked with turned into a master's um, researching teacher stress, and then eventually that turned into the Happy School business. So Steve tells us what it is. It's an article, a well-being article subscription option to uh, really share stories of health and well-being and tips and tricks for staff in a one-pager that you can read quickly, you know, over a five-minute coffee break. And Steve in this episode tells us about that research and the findings of his research that he, he did on his master's around teacher stress. We talk about the three key factors of staff well-being in schools and the really important piece of school leaders acknowledging and recognizing in a personal and specific way the good work of the teachers and staff in their school. And of course, we wrap up talking about some tips for early career teachers as usual too. And I think I mentioned in this episode that one of the first schools that I worked at had a happy school subscription. So I used to enjoy reading those articles way back then, but it has been a while. So um, I have just signed up for the free trial on their website as well, just to check it out again. So head on over to happyschool.com.au if you want to do that. And I am going to also pop links in the description below. Before we get to the episode, I also want to tell you about the School Wellbeing Champions Meetup, which is on again. So this is a virtual networking event for teachers and school staff who are the wellbeing person at work. I ran a couple at the end of last year and they were really well received. So we're doing it again. And so the Meetup times will be Wednesday, the 10th of March at uh, 4 p.m. Queensland time. And of course, there are some time differences. That's 5 p.m. New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, Tasmania, 3.30 p.m. in the Northern Territory, 4.30 p.m. in South Australia, 2 p.m. WA, 7 p.m. New Zealand. And then there's also another one on a Saturday morning, Saturday, the 13th of March at 10 a.m. Queensland time. All the different time zones are listed on the Eventbrite uh, event. And so you can go and check that out if you want to check what time it is in your uh, state or territory. And so basically the idea is that if you are the well-being person at your school, a teacher or staff member who people turn to for, you know, well-being tips, if you're the one always advocating for more support for the adults in school as well as for the students, if you're on the well-being committee or a well-being club or if you've been trying to start one for a while at your school or even if you know your principal wants to address staff well-being and staff resilience but either doesn't know where to start or, you know, it's not the priority because there's so many other things on the principal's plate and it's something you want to put your hand up for, then I really want to invite you to come along to this meetup. It's a virtual meetup just to connect with wellbeing champions from schools around Australia and New Zealand. And the aim is just to get to know each other, share a bit about what's worked and what hasn't worked in your workplace and to connect with others who may be able to support you in your journey being a school wellbeing champion. So we're just going to jump on Zoom, have a cuppa and enjoy a spot of virtual networking. 
You can grab your tickets at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash wellbeingchampions. I'll put the link in the description below. But also if you go to eventbrite.com.au and just search for self-care for teachers or wellbeing champion meetup, it should come up there as well. But I'll pop the link in the uh, show notes and in the description of this episode in your podcast app so you can click away and do that straight away. Because I am really noticing that there is a trend that schools are finally waking up to the fact that grown-ups need support as well as the students do with well-being and resilience. But, you know, teachers and school leaders are overworked already and it still tends to fall to the bottom of the to-do list or worse still, it becomes just a tick box kind of token activity on the student-free days. But in most schools, there's at least one member of staff who is passionate about this and you know, I want to support those people because I think you're legends. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of those people. So, you know, it is an area that I'm going to focus a little bit more on this year. I think I've talked a lot, you know, most of the the last three and a half years of the Teacher Wellbeing podcast and most of my work with self-care for teachers has been on individual well-being and working with teachers one-on-one and what the things that you can do individually in your life to you know, improve your well-being and resilience, but really the school level matters too. And so that's what these meetups are for. I would love to have you involved. Head on over to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash wellbeing champion and we'll see you there. Now enjoy my conversation with Steve. Hello Steve. Welcome to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Oh, hi Ellen baby connecting with you today. Yeah it's great to have you here. Well, let's launch straight in. Um, Before we get to talking about what you do these days, tell us about your background um, and a bit about your sort of professional teaching background. Okay, so originally a Townsville boy, so trained at James Cook Union Townsville, primary trained teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, one year teaching in Townsville before transferred to Collinsville, so a small country town. Mm -hmm. I met my wife in Collinsville. She arrived also as a second year high school teacher and Mm -hmm. I was there as a second year primary teacher. Uh, and then after a couple of years, I went on the promotion trial with Education Queensland. Mm. So I became a teaching principal at a one-teacher school. So basically, boss of no one initially. Yeah. Um, but it sounds remote and isolated. It was a place called Old Yarran Lee, which sounds really remote, but it's actually uh, in the Mount Gravatt campus of Griffith University. Oh, so right. Been, yeah, it's been Mount Gravatt Teachers College. Yeah. So teaching principal there for a couple of years, teaching year one through to year seven back in the day. Uh, with 18 students, uh, and then went to uh, Bejewel in central Queensland, Mount mm. Larkham, a P to 10 school, and then a primary school principal at Fig Tree Pocket School in Brisbane, mm. and uh, then across the river at Jindalee uh, for four years. So Jindalee was a, a large primary school. We had uh, 750 primary students, uh, 100 in our preppies, and 50 kids in our special education unit. Uh, so principal there for four years. And then went off to Hong Kong to be principal of an international school uh, for four years, which is mm. a fascinating experience. Yeah. So you've had, I mean, you've had a mix, mainly, obviously, mainly Queensland and then with that international experience as well. But you bring a wealth of experience then to uh, the work that you do now. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, when I was a principal, uh, I was worried about the well-being of my staff. And I actually did my master's on uh, teacher stress. And teacher stress always, uh, the profession comes out in the top five professions for mm. stress uh, because we're dealing with people all day, every day. Uh, our work is important and we, we make a difference to the families um, that we work with, um, but that's never going to be easy. So uh, my passion sort of uh, worked out lied in that area of trying to support um, my teachers. Mm. And so uh, when I was principal at Fig Tree Pocket and doing my master's, 
the strategy that I implemented was to provide a one-page reminder tip sheet on how they could improve their well-being. Uh, and I sort of did my masters on tracking the impact that that had. And so that became um, the Happy School business. So now we've got about 700 schools across Australia uh, that subscribe to get a weekly article on teacher wellbeing. Uh, so often it's a principal, a deputy principal, or the, the head of a, a wellbeing committee subscribes and then shares the article with their, their staff. It's trying to get feed and provide uh, support and practical knowledge and tips for improving the wellbeing uh, of staff in schools. Because, uh, Ellen, if we don't look after our superstar teachers, then I'm sort of uh, a bit worried about what the future will hold. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we know that there is the stats sort of vary, but we know there is an issue with teacher uh, attraction and retention. Uh, you know, well-being is one of those reasons that people identify for leaving the profession. So it's definitely something that is, you know, very, very important. And, and I was saying to you just before we started recording, I um, in my early, early career, one of the schools that I worked at, which would have been the early days of Happy Schools as well, had the Happy Schools newsletter. So uh, it's I have had the experience of being on the receiving end of that article and uh, really enjoying and looking forward to reading that every week too. Cool. We get some lovely feedback about it. It's been great. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where often I find somebody in the school, as you say, the principal or, or you know, somebody on the wellbeing committee wants to do something, but also they're busy themselves, right? They don't necessarily have the time or the energy to yeah. go and find that information. So to have it packaged up in a, you know, a way that is easy to consume but is also easy to distribute and to share with others, very, very helpful. Yeah. It's been funny the places that I've found um, Happy School articles in working with schools. So I do um, PD within schools. Mm. And so sometimes I'm popping in there and I find them on the microwave or on the fridge. Yeah. Uh, and then I even found them behind the toilet doors in the staff toilets at Alice Springs School of the Air. So uh, that's, apparently that's the only place you have five minutes spare time to read something. Absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. I think it's brilliant too. I mean, they're always just one pager because I know people are time poor and we should be able to get some succinct tips into just a one pager. Uh, so, yeah, it's lovely to find them in those sorts of places. Yeah, well, that, and that's why I do the podcast as well because, you know, we're time poor, but you can listen to a podcast while you're doing something else, you know, you can, you know, doing something with your hands, driving or exercising or something, but you can still be consuming the information because it is Absolutely. the case that, yeah, time poor and energy poor and so any any sort of way to support teachers to consume that knowledge, the better. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I know that you have had an interest, obviously, in this for a long time. I'm wondering if there are some specific stories that you could share, particularly around maybe the masters and while you were supporting teachers in, as a principal yourself, in terms of the health and wellbeing challenges that teachers were facing and then how you supported them to overcome that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There are some specific challenges to our profession, I mm. believe. I think one of the challenges we face uh, is that we are, we're, we're time poor, there's too much to be done, not enough time to get it done in. Mm. But we also don't have a lot of flexibility with the time that's available to us. Okay. You know, there are lessons to be taught and deadlines to be met and those sorts of things. So the amount of flexible time that we have available um, is, can be very limited. So, so we've got to be really careful about how we utilise that available time. So I, I encourage people to have that mantra about what's the most important thing that I can be doing with this time I have available. So if that's 10 minutes between classes or something, what will be the most productive use of that time? But my other concern is that we're almost wired to be negative. 
Mm. Uh, and I say that because I reckon we're constantly on the lookout for problems. Mm. So we're looking for students that might be having problems learning uh, or we're looking for students that have challenging behaviours because if we can pinpoint the problem, then we can come up with the solution for that. But as a result of that, we're almost wired to be negative. Mm. And so we're not really good at, at celebrating our successes and reflecting on the difference that we have made. And often I find as teachers, we can be our own harshest critic mm. uh, because our work's never ending. There's always more that can be done. And so we tend to beat ourselves up about the stuff that still needs to be done rather than what have I achieved today. And um, um, look, I need to apologise. I, I am a reality TV junkie, um, <laughs> only for research purposes. Of course, you know, yeah. Married at first sight and all those things. But my favourite is without doubt the block. I love watching the block because I've worked out that I have, I'm envious of tilers because, you know, a, a tiler rocks up to the job site on a Monday morning mm. and it's just the shell of the bathroom. But they work hard all week, but on Friday afternoon, I reckon their beer must taste great at the end of their week when they can see the bathroom that they've produced. Oh, yeah. And that's the challenge for us in teaching because you can't always see what you've achieved mm. um, at the end of the day or even the end of the week. Certainly by the end of the term, we want to feel like we're getting some traction and making a difference, but it's not always as obvious because we're playing that long game. Yeah. Uh, so, so I always encourage teachers to think about and be aware that it is a long game that we're playing and you're not going to get that sense of satisfaction immediately that the tiler gets. And just to be aware, you know, it might not be for 10 years until yeah. you run into that student again and they say, oh, remember when you said blah, 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 that made a difference in my life. Um, that's how long the game is rather than that mm. short sense of accomplishment along the way. Yeah, and you may have no memory of saying that thing to that kid at all ever. <laughs> I mean, you remember exactly. the kid, but you don't remember that so, specific thing you said. Yeah, because it wasn't important to you at the time. Mm. You didn't notice the impact that you had. Yeah, so, so that's challenging. And I'm a list person as well. So, mm. you know, I like to have my to-do list and mm. that gives me some sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. But you know, often our days are, are filled with interruptions and disruptions. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, a kid having a meltdown or some cranky parent rocking up and sabotaging your morning uh, wasn't on your to-do list. Um, but it became a priority and you had to spend your time doing that. So at the end of the day, I would normally beat myself up if I, you know, started the day with 15 things on my to-do list. If I didn't get much done, I'd, I'd say, oh, you know, I'd say, oh, look at all the work I've still got to be done, blah, blah. But I think it's more important to reflect and to think about, well, what did I achieve today? Um, how did I use the time that I had available to me? Uh, and, and was that productive? Uh, or did I fluff around doing unimportant stuff? Mm. And if you fluffed around, well, you know, be stern with yourself. But if you didn't and some stuff happened that wasn't predicted, wasn't anticipated, then be kind to yourself and don't beat yourself up unnecessarily. Absolutely. I've heard, um, I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard it called a ta-da list. You turn your to-do list into a ta-da list. Oh, like, like ta-da, this is what yeah. I got done today. Um, nice. to, for exactly that reason, because the to-do list will never be finished. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like ever. Right. And we have Not to actually just interrupt that expectation yeah. because it's setting yeah. us up for something that we'll never reach. Uh, and so actually to say, well, yeah, this is my list, but this is my list of what I got done. Um, awesome. To acknowledge yeah, ourselves. The other thing I like to do with that is at the start of the day, think about what would I need to accomplish today to feel good about this day? 
So is there one thing, one conversation I need to have, one task I need to get completed, um, you know, some work I need to get marked? What's the one thing that I want to accomplish today that I can feel like I'm getting some traction? Mm. So then even if other things go pear-shaped during the day, then uh, using your ta-da list, at least yeah. if I get that thing done, I can go ta-da. Yeah. Yes, I can feel I have accomplished today. A whole lot of other stuff happened, but at least I feel like I'm moving forward and, and making progress. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is easy, as you said, to get caught in that negative thinking loop because, I mean, we are wired that way as humans to be like alert for danger, alert for problems. And so it is actually, it does have to be a conscious practice of redirecting just the way we redirect behavior in the classroom, redirecting our thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Good point on. Well, so what does well-being mean to you in your life, Steve? Uh, I think being self-aware is really useful. I, mm. I know I need to get some physical exercise every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if all of my work has just been intellectual, then I'm not going to be my best self. So uh, I have to schedule some sort of time into my day where I can get either go for a run or go to the gym or do something physical. Mm. So I, I think being self-aware of what you're doing that you need to do for yourself and uh, maintaining yourself as a priority is really important. Uh, so I know that's important for me. I know that I sometimes struggle to switch off, and so I have to put in place limits because uh, if you're constantly checking mm. your phone for your emails and whatnot, then all you're doing is polluting your subconscious and making yourself guilty about all the new things that have just come into your inbox mm. that you haven't dealt with yet. So, you know trying to reduce the amount of times that I check my email, for example, and just putting in place those little strategies to allow my mind to disconnect and and not feel guilty. A couple of little tips I I, I sort of found over my time was to put a pen and paper beside my bed because I often wake at two o'clock in the morning going, don't forget to, don't forget to, don't forget Mm. to. So nowadays I've learned to do a, a brain dump and scribble down whatever it is that I'm trying to remember so that I can give myself permission to go back to sleep. Because if I'm constantly going, don't forget to, don't forget to, don't forget to, it's hard to get back to sleep. Yeah, um, Yeah, so I often wake up in the morning and there's some scribble on the paper. Nine times out of ten, now when I work out what it is. Um, but <laughs> on that tenth, I reckon it's probably not that important anyway. Are you writing this in the dark, like so as not to yeah. wake up yeah, yeah. anybody else? Yeah, scribbled in the dark. So yep. you, you might have your eyes shut. So, but once you've got a couple of letters there, you can normally sort of recognise what it is and your mind comes, comes back to what it was. Uh, so, yeah, so that sort of brain dump helps me as well, getting back to sleep, I guess. Yeah, and because that, that is such a common thing, waking up at 2 a.m. with, you know, things on your mind. But I love that you say you give yourself permission to go back to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, sleep's so valuable, isn't it? Because if mm-hmm. you don't get decent sleep, uh, yeah, it's tough the next day. Yeah, it's one of my sleep for me personally. Like you said, for you, it's like if you haven't done anything physical. For me, the sleep is the keystone habit that everything is, you know, much, much, much better if I've got yeah. enough sleep. Yeah. I can handle just about anything. <laughs> I can't. I can't do caffeine after two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. So I try and be pretty strict on that because I know that's not going to help my sleep pattern. And it's lots of stuff that we know that we should do. Mm. And it's just being disciplined and looking after yourself so that you're the best version of yourself that you can be, basically. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned discipline because I do think it takes discipline. And I think in, you know, in the modern world where we've kind of bombarded, as you say, 
with, you know, emails and pings and notifications and all these, you know, messages and advertising all the time that's kind of promising us quick fixes. I do think that it does take discipline to not just get us to do the things that we know are good for us once, but to keep doing them over the long term because a a lot of those habits are the kind of thing that if you don't keep doing them, they don't actually make the difference. It's It's the accumulation of the benefit that's actually where you feel it, you know. Yeah. And it's staying the course, isn't it? They say, you know, you're going to do something for three weeks for it to become a habit mm. and part of your routine. And oh, mm. I believe that's true when it's about the discipline to, to continue to mm. do that. Oh, well, I reckon it's longer if, if it's report card week. I think if, uh, if you do it for three weeks <laughs> and then it's report card week, I think you've got to stick through report card week before the you habit actually gets, yeah. <laughs> gets cemented. <laughs> and that's one of the things I've noticed, though. When it's report card week, um, one of the things that people stop doing when they're crazy busy in that mm. week is they stop exercising. Yeah. Yet the exercise is the best thing they could do for themselves to take a break, get outside, walk the dog, go for the run, whatever your exercise thing is, do that because you are going to be so much more productive when you come back rather than you know, punishing yourself to stay at the desk, stay at the desk, stay at the desk and be ineffective. You're mm-hmm. better off taking that half-hour break, getting some um, endorphin flowing and, uh, and then come back and, and, and refocus again. Uh, rather than punishing yourself and sitting at the desk um, unproductively. Absolutely. There's so so much evidence around exercise now for the benefits that it, uh, it gives body and mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And for getting outdoors too. Oh, exactly. Uh, you know, especially in these times where, you know, sometimes we're faced with restrictions and the only time you're allowed outdoors is if you're exercising <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've been interesting times. Yes, aren't they? So I wanted to just touch back on your research that you did around teacher stress. Can you tell us a little bit more about the findings of that research? Yeah, well, basically that it it always um, presents in the top five professions. And Mm. one of the key reasons for that is because we're dealing with people Mm. and uh, people are unpredictable. Uh, And if you spoke to parents and asked them, what's the most important, most precious, most special thing in their life, 99% of parents would say their kids Mm -hmm. and they take their kids and they hand them over to us Mm -hmm. to to look after as educators. So they're more precious, more special, more important to them than their car, their house or anything that they own are their kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're placed in a massive position of trust by society. Uh, So I, I think we need to be aware of the pressure that comes with that. And often when I'm talking to the staff about that, the sort of the load comes on their shoulders, but mm. that's our reality, isn't it? And even if some parents have got a funny way of showing that, um, that is what's important to them. Are they, are they kids? Uh, so I think we need to be aware that we're choosing to work in that environment, that um, you know, we're working with things that are significant and important. Uh, we're not working in a factory making widgets. Um, mm. We're working with real human beings. And they are unpredictable, but they're also precious, special and important uh, to their parents. So that comes with expectations and, and responsibility moving forward. And so that was the basis of the research that I did on my master's. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other three outcomes that came from that were um, to improve staff well-being in a school. Basically, there are the three key factors. Um, one is it's not up to the boss to fix the well-being of the staff. It's mm. up the staff to be um, accepting responsibility for the choices they make, having that discipline to stick to the things they know they should be doing 
you know, stopping for some lunch, drinking eight glasses of water a day, having some exercise each day, disconnecting from devices before they go to sleep. We know all the things that we should do, but it's having the discipline to do that. Mm. But we as individuals need to take that responsibility. Mm. It's not up to the principle to fix our well-being. It's up to us to make informed choices. That's mm. one factor. The second factor is the school culture. And ultimately, the school culture should provide the atmosphere and the opportunity for teachers to do their best work. So that's the job of a leadership team in the school is to create the environment that's conducive to teachers being empowered to do their best work. So, you know, do we have processes in place as streamlined as they possibly can be to save people time, to provide admin support, etc. So those aspects of the school culture. And third, the number one factor in staff morale in a school is leadership. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, you can have fantastic teachers and you can try to build a great culture, but if you don't have a great leaders within that culture, then it's not going to be a fantastic place to work uh, and, and that's going to be challenging. So those three aspects are crucial to staff wellbeing. The teachers taking responsibility for themselves, the school culture that exists, and the leadership within the school to support that culture of uh, valuing staff mm. and, and getting the balance right between you know, staff, student and parent needs. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things where, again, we would love there to be a quick fix where, oh, well, you've got teacher well-being or staff well-being, here's the one magic pill, but Shazam. there just isn't, is there? It's, it's no, complex it's and multifaceted. It's- yeah, and at those three layers, mm. so the individual taking responsibility. And ultimately, that's what the Happy School articles are trying to do is to drip feed and empower the individual to make good choices mm. uh, and you know, set up good processes and good disciplines around those. But it's up to the leadership team to, to build the school culture that allows staff to do their best work. And then leaders need to be aware of the impact that their behaviours and their decisions have on staff wellbeing because there's a flow on effect there. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm 100% on board with that message because, I mean, ultimately, the only person we can control is ourselves. And, and one of the things I often speak to teachers about is, yes, there are challenges with our education policy or education funding or, or you know, the, the education yeah. system. But individually, we can't do anything about that. Collectively, yes, over the long yeah. term, but individually we can't. So let's keep our focus on the things that we can control. And that's, you know, I love that that's the the approach of the Happy Schools articles as well, because that's also the point of the Teacher Wellbeing podcast is to share stories that can be inspiring of, you know, teachers looking after themselves and making changes in the things that they can control that actually do make a difference for them. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't solve all those big problems, but it does make a difference. One of the initiatives we're really um, proud of in Happy Schools is um, we initiated a postcards for World Teachers Day mm. and we've been doing them for about um, eight years now mm. and uh, this year 32,500 postcards wow. were sent out and um, the intent with the postcards is that the members of the leadership team are encouraged to hand write postcards and mm. send them snail mail as in putting uh-huh. a stamp on them and yep. posting them to the staff member's home address because they have 10 times the impact at home that they do at being dropped in the pigeonhole. Mm. So being dropped in the pigeonhole is at work is nice, but I don't know about your letterbox, Alan, but mine's only full of bills and stuff yeah. at home. If I got a nice note from someone, it has huge impact. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's trying to cross that bridge between those those three key factors where leaders are being aware of the impact that they're having. Uh, and it's a lot of trouble for them to hand write their notes yeah. to each member of staff 
but the impact is just just magnificent um, in terms of recognizing and appreciating the great work that teachers do. Yeah. Yeah, and it is powerful. Uh, you know, a little bit of recognition goes a long way. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, and we need to we need to do those broad recognition and uh, where someone says thank you everyone for a great year and that's lovely. Mm. But the more personal and specific the feedback and recognition and acknowledgement is, uh, the more impactful it is as well. And that's where uh, you know leaders need to be out and about and connecting and visible and working mm. with their staff. To, to specifically recognise the great attributes of the people working within their teams. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What a lovely idea. Well, I mean, it's definitely plenty of time for leaders to get organised before the next World Teachers' Day for that. So uh, there won't be the excuse of not enough time this time because we can be planning for it from now. That's exactly right, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we start taking orders in about, I think it's about July we put out the publication. So we used to sell the postcards. We provide them free of charge to our happy school members because yep. we just get inundated with schools. And so we can only really um, handle the schools that are members of the program yeah. and we send them up to 96 postcards free of charge. Yeah. So that covers, you know, 99% of schools um, in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome. Well, so obviously this is a podcast for all teachers, but I do like to uh, have a, a little focus on early career teachers because I think we've, you know, we've all been there, right? Those first Absolutely. couple of years of teaching, there's so much to learn and so many pressures and you're still kind of finding your feet, let alone potentially finding some secure employment, which is also uh, stressful. So what would be your top tips, Steve? Maybe just one or two top tips for early career teachers to set themselves up now for a thriving career and life ongoing. Yeah, certainly seen that um, at close hand, Ellen. My daughter's in her second year of teaching, mm. so teaching preppies for second time round this year and uh, on the move next year as a third-year teacher on transfer. Yeah. Uh, so that's certainly something that's special to me. I always recommend people monitor their self-talk so be mm. careful about the expectations you place on yourself, mm. uh, being aware that, there's always more that can be done and the job is never ending, but have realistic expectations on yourself. Create opportunities to disconnect from schoolwork. Mm. So, you know, you might find that there's some work that has to be done over the weekend, but rather than polluting the whole of the weekend with feeling guilty about the work you have to get done and getting bits and pieces done, um, allocate some time to do that. So, mm. so I'm going to work for two hours on Saturday morning. I'm going to go hard and get it done, but at the end of the two hours, that's it. I don't want to drag it out over the whole weekend because if you don't give yourself some time to recharge your batteries, you're not going to be at your best self the following week of school. So you basically have to quarantine some time and mm. there is preparation that has to be done. But as we all know that in your first few years, um, you know, that's just paramount and you feel the load, but you've got to give yourself some switch off time as well. Uh, so I just think that's vital. One other quick tip is... Mm. I find it really useful to come up with a to-do list at the end of today ready for tomorrow mm. because that means I leave school pretty well prepared and I've got my to-do list ready for the next day already on my desk and that sort of gives me permission to disconnect and to, to switch off and not have to worry so much about school because when I then arrive the next morning, my to-do list is already there on my desk I'm a bit of a prioritising freak, so I can <laughs> work out the A's, B's and C's. You know, the A's have to get done today, so that's vital. The B's could get done, and then I actually rank the A's. So what's the most important thing that I should start the, the A day plus. with? 
Yeah, well, I would put A1 and then yep. the A2 and the A3 and the A4. And so then I, the next day, all I've got to do is start with A1. So yep. that's, okay, I thought I had to do this. So then I'm pretty focused and tuned in to what's the most important thing that I could be doing with this time I've got available. But be kind to yourself. It's a long game that we're playing. Uh, try to enjoy the ride. Don't disconnect and don't work all day. You know, lots of early career teachers find they, they get stuck in their classroom because they are so hectically busy. But mm. you do need to go and, and eat some lunch and um, connect up with some colleagues and, and vent or, or, or seek some, some guidance or some tips from colleagues as well. So yeah. um, while some people are told to avoid the staff room, I, I think it should be a safe place where people feel supported and encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. And that piece about eating lunch, it's a really, really common thing. And lunch is not a luxury, teachers. No, no, you need it. You've got to fuel up and yeah. you know, if that's 15 minutes to disconnect and sit down and just catch your breath and even some you know, 30 seconds of mindfulness at the end of lunch and you know, close your eyes and just calm yourself down. You, you'll be more productive for the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Tell us where people can connect with you and where they can get Happy Schools. Yeah, so happyschool.com.au. You can check out the information there. You can download some free articles or make contact. Uh, and stevefrancis.net.au. If you're interested in uh, me coming and working with the staff for some professional development, uh, do lots of programs uh, all around the place, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, all sorts of lovely places I get to go to, Ellen. Oh, wow. Well, thank you very much. We will put the uh, links in the description of this episode in the podcast app and also the show notes on the website. So thank you so much, Steve. Fantastic. Have a great year. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher well-being and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.